Welcome to The Village Lantern, a podcast for families living with hidden challenges such as autism and other neurodiverse conditions, and for anyone else wanting to understand, love and support. Our mission is to build understanding, empathy and love for families living with one or more children who have hidden conditions that make life harder in one way or another. We call this Extra Zing. Definitely if the media portrayed more accurate stereotypes and showed that autism is a spectrum, it's not a line. It's like a, it's like a, think of like a galaxy, all those constellations, all those stars in the sky is one of us. We all have different experiences of living with it and if that was shown, then I feel like people like me could be understood better. Hi, beautiful listeners. It's just me, Anna, today, sadly. The divine Jordan and I have tried and tried, but we just haven't had any luck finding a time to record this intro and we really want to get it out there. Jordan has so many things going on. I can't wait to talk to him about it and share it all with you. Uh, So do I, of course, but his are much more interesting than mine. Um, So I'm sad to be on my own, but I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled about this interview. In this episode, we spoke to the brilliant, funny and ridiculously articulate Lola. Lola's 14 years old. They're in high school in year eight and Lola lives with autism and ADHD. Lola shares their reflections, feelings and learning so far and gives us a generous and beautifully honest insight into their challenges, gifts and ideas and also shares thoughts about how things could be just a bit easier with a little bit of help from the world around them. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. I have no doubt you'll love it as much as Jordan and I did. Happy listening, beauties. Welcome to The Village, Lanson. We've got Anna here on my left and the awesome Lola here on my right. Lola, how are you going? Uh, Good, thanks. So good to have you, Lola. We've been talking about this for a while, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Yeah. Are you excited or? Um, Excited and nervous, yeah. both. Yeah, anything new is always a bit, you're not sure, but I have a feeling deep down that you're going to be very comfortable very soon. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. And um, I guess one of the things that would be really good to start with is for you to let us know. So you have a diagnosis of? Uh, autism and ADHD. Yeah. yeah. And when were you diagnosed? How old were you? And when, what was that like for you? Uh, so I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was eight and um, autism when I was 11. Yeah. yeah. Can you remember that? Yeah, I can remember both. How did, how did it feel? So when I was diagnosed with ADHD, I thought I, it was like an anxiety thing because we had to do this little weird test and I had to keep putting these headphones on and I had to listen to these beeps. And I'd only been to the psychologist for like six months before that and I was like, like what's happening? And then I, I didn't find out like what it was until the start of 2021. Mum didn't tell me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So so you found out when you were how old? Uh, I would have been <clears throat> 13. Okay. And and how no, did that 12. how did it feel when, when you heard that? What did it feel like? I was like, I knew that I had ADHD. I was like, I knew. It's also because like 80% of people who are diagnosed with autism also have ADHD. And I knew I was like, okay, like I probably do. Um but 
Like, why didn't mom tell me earlier? I feel like I was probably told. I just forgot. Oh, yeah. Well, that's so ADHD. You know, you're, you're talking to the ADHD queen over here. So you may well have been told. I told many times. I, just, I was just like, yeah, that was an anxiety test. And then I just forgot. Oh, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. Lola, what was that experience like? You know, obviously nothing changes between, you know, when you get the diagnosis and not in terms of, you know, what what you're experiencing. But having that you know, finding out, I guess, a, a label or anything like that. What did that change for you or, or Well, like? um, I remember, uh, so I got it, I got my diagnosis in the summer between year, wait, between year two and year three. And I remember so starting year three, I had like one of my favourite teachers I've ever had and she was really nice. I feel like for me it felt like um, after I got that diagnosis, it's like, um, I feel like, first of all, I can understand who I am better and what makes me me. And also it's more unhelpful for my teachers to understand who I am and then, like, why I do what I do and, like, how to help support me and create a better environment for me at school. Yeah, so good. I, I, I was not diagnosed as a child. As I, I don't know if you know this. We may have talked about it, no, but I both of that. us have forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, I think that there is something really nice about that. And what I found at my diagnosis at 42 or whatever it was, was that I sort of forgave myself for some of those things that I thought I wasn't very good at. Yeah. Does that, is that, was that the same for you? Uh, so it's really weird that um, autism and ADHD overlap so much because there's parts of my brain that it's like I get so distracted so easily and then I'm really disorganised. Mm-hmm. But the autism part of my brain just, I just want to get there on time and I just because like I have anxiety about getting things on time, but I can never be organised oh, to get there on time. Oh, that is so hard. It's really, that's my head. Yeah, that is really real and really hard. <clears throat> so then the ASD diagnosis was more recent? Uh, yeah, when I was 11. So I just turned 11 like a couple months ago. And what do you remember five. about that? Um, so... Uh, I was going through my desk the other day and I was going through, so I've always, one part of my life, I've always wanted to keep a journal, but I've never been able to do it for more than like a month. Mm. How's your handwriting? Oh, crap. Yeah, sucks. No. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't I've help. I've got to know to about it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It doesn't help though when you can't read your own journal, right? Because it's so messy? No. Yeah, I know. No, I'll go through my, I'll be going through like my work, so I've like written down my English assignment and I'll be like, I don't even know what that said. Yeah, I know, I know. Sorry, go on, journal, sorry. Um, and I was going through my journals and I've got a couple from when I was like seven, like nine. It's kind of like every two years, I seven, nine, eleven. My journals are really interesting. So I'd always sit up on, there's a side of our house near where the water tanks are and I'd sit there on top of the water tank and lean against the wall and I would write my journal there mm-hmm. and I'd be like, it was always be, I'd always write it on the holidays, though, like just before school started again, yeah. or like a weekend on like a Sunday. Like when just you were feeling anxious. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm sitting in my special spot, but today, today's not a normal day. Oh. <laughs> and I'd be like, I feel like I knew I had autism and I didn't before I wrote, like I'd have journals from when I was like seven or like nine, being like, like I know. Did I you have know it. about autism? Yeah. Well, I wanted to educate myself on something because I felt like I was different, but I didn't know what was, like, different. Like, I guess I thought, like, something was wrong with me. So I'd research about it and, oh, well, I, like, literally show every single symptom and I feel like maybe that's me, like, you know? Those feelings of, you know, you said feeling unique, feeling different in a certain way, what were some of those experiences and insights for you, you know, when you were obviously still such a young age? 
Definitely the fact that I uh, struggled with school more than my peers. So I always would, it's like, and I guess it shows more now in high school is like I could can, could and can never sit still. I was held down a year in kindergarten. I did four year old kinder twice, like I did it again um, because I couldn't sit still. Also because I couldn't share, but I can share now. <laughs> I still can't sit still. <laughs> um, I never sit still, found it always really hard to pay attention. And often I found school really overwhelming and tiring and it just, I feel like there's a sensation that I feel like not other people felt and I felt alone in that, mm. is that I would always get like really overwhelmed by like the amount of people that were there or like everything that was happening and also in the way that like I wanted to learn and the person who I was was like, I was like, I don't see any parts of myself in the people around me mm, and I feel like kind of like an outsider, like yeah. really different. You hear that a lot, don't you? Yeah. And I think it's quite amazing how insightful you were for such a young person to kind of see that somehow people weren't having the same experience as you. Because I think when you get very young, you don't actually realise that everyone else is not overwhelmed. Everyone else does not think it's really loud. Everyone else is not tired. But how did, as each year goes, because what I'm noticing with my daughter is as every year goes by, the, the gap between what's expected and what can be managed seems to be widening. How did you find each year? Yeah, so I feel like I really started to notice in year one, I would have really big tantrums all the time because I probably probably because I was so overwhelmed, but I didn't know what it was and I didn't know why it happened, but I would throw really big tantrums and I would get like, um, I guess it was kind of like an anxiety attack. I would just get so anxious and I would like, it was just everything around me and I feel like I didn't know what it was. Nobody else felt that, just me. And I was like, what? And I felt in year one, my teacher, she was really understanding of... Like me, like sometimes when I felt overwhelmed, so in July that year I got to go to Sydney and sometimes when I felt really overwhelmed, she'd let me sit to the side and I'd do some, like some calming scrapbooking about my trip to Sydney. She was really nice. That's so clever. And I think my, I'm sure it's been the case for you, some teachers make it more manageable than Than others. others. And you think, why are some teachers able to do that? You know, I I think about that quite a lot. Um, And so now you're in high school. Yeah. Year eight. Yeah. And you know about your diagnoses mm-hmm. and you understand a little bit more about what that means for you. Yeah. How how does it help knowing and what things could be easier? Uh, school could be easier. Yeah. How? <laughs> well, some teachers I have are really understanding of the person that I am and, like, how to make school more manageable for me. Some teachers aren't. Mm-hmm. And... For, like, I feel like I've known teachers and I've had teachers over the years who I've been like, you really don't like children, do you? So oh. why are you a teacher? Yeah. I don't understand it. I've met these people and I'm like, you don't like children. Like, why would you come into a teaching job if you don't like children? Good question. Yeah. Like, what? Lola, I would love to know what your engagement or interaction, you know, with the term disability is, you know, living with autism and ADHD, people speak really openly about it. Some people don't like to speak about it. How do you feel towards talking about, you know, your lived experiences, but also the community at large? 
Um, I love talking about it. I love anyone who could ask me about it. I feel like it's lots of people, and especially since, like, media stereotypes is autism and ADHD really misunderstood and uh, really stereotyped and, like, the kind of, like, if you look at movies, oh, it annoys me so much when non-autistic people, like, play um, non-autistic people. So there's actually a film coming out, so it's Sentence City Heartbreak High, where it's the first autistic person's actually played by someone who's autistic. So good. And I can't wait to see it because it's like that you have that lived experience and you understand how it feels. Whereas it's like... Well, the actors must have had to ask someone else how does it feel so they could act it, which seems like... It's like, why can't you just get someone else who can do it? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely getting better, I think. It is, Even but it doesn't help with the stereotype. It doesn't help with the misunderstanding and the misinterpretation and helping people understand so... So people like me and other autistic people can live an easy life because people then can therefore understand what we need and, like, how to help us, like, thrive. But it's... You know, you can play a role in this, Lola. I can mm-hmm. see you having a long-term impact in this. You're so articulate and you're so passionate and I think you can speak on behalf of others, mm-hmm. you know, so that's really awesome for you. Thank you. Um can you tell us a bit about friendship? Because I know that for some autistic people, friendships can be really challenging and I reckon anyone who's been through high school knows that that's hard for everyone. How do you find navigating friendships? Uh, much easier in primary school. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, uh, hard. I'm really bad at reading people's facial expressions and body language and tone and I feel like... Sometimes, like, people will say things, you've got to read between the lines to see what they actually mean. I I can't do that. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I feel like that's what makes people and friendships so hard for me, for the fact that I, um, it's really hard for me to understand other people in that level that, I guess, neurotypical people or people who can, um, like, even autistic people who can understand people's body language and, like, their tone and what they're trying to communicate better which for me makes um, friendships harder. But I feel like once um, I've really got a connection with like someone, like a really good friend, then I feel like it's easier and I get to spend more time with them. It's like um, I get to spend more time with them and I know them better so then even while it's a bit hard, I can read them a bit better. Yeah, and you can also say, what did you mean by that? Or you can, yeah, uh, you know, it's sort can. of nothing wrong People with asking. I understand what I'm saying that though. So Lola, it would be great to hear sort of ways in which those around you, you know, support you to make communication easier. Um, yeah. And maybe some ways that, you know, people might make it more difficult for you to feel supported. Yeah, so specifically for friends I've had for a long time, like my best friend who I've known for, like I've known them longer than I've known E, so my uh, younger sibling, I've got two, they're both younger, but like the younger, younger one. Uh, I've known them since I was three, so I've known them for like my whole life and they, I feel like I can understand them and I understand what they mean and I feel like they understand me and they're an absolutely awesome person and I love them. But for newer friends I've made, specifically since starting at a new school for like high school, is harder to like communicate or like say what I need if I like don't understand what they mean and then sometimes they'll be like oh like why do you do that or like really so like in a perfect world you had that best friend with you all the time and they could like kind of interpret it's almost like a a, like a translator translator. yeah like an autistic translator yeah do you find that you when you meet you know new people Mm. you feel 
that it's easier to be able to bring up, you know, I live with autism, I live with ADHD, for them to be able to understand? Or do you think it's something that doesn't need to be said and they can just understand I think you? that's, I think uh, I wouldn't go up to, I wouldn't go walking around with like a T-shirt that's like, <laughs> come talk to me, I have autism. <laughs> it's not like that. I feel like if they're my friend and I feel like if I need to tell them, if that, that will help them understand me better, then I will tell them. And I think that's important for people to know for them to understand me and for me to understand them and for us to have a better friendship and connection. But if it doesn't need to be told, then it doesn't, but I mostly tell. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to go around to a random person in school or, like, a person I found on the street and be like, hey, do you know I have autism? Yeah. <laughs> just wanted to let you know. Just wanted to let you know. I mean, you might not know who I am, but just, yeah. just letting you know. Have you got many friends who are also on the spectrum? There are kids, there are two kids in my class who are on the spectrum, but not really friends with them. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like an autistic thing, but I really struggle to find connections with people who are on the spectrum because I feel like it's such a broad thing and I feel like I'm not good at becoming friends with people who are too similar to me because yeah. I get annoyed at them. Yeah. Like if I, if, if there was a clone of myself, I know I wouldn't like them Aww. because it's just like, it's not like, oh, like I hate myself. It's like a uh, magnet. So if you've got two magnets of the same side, they repel, right? You've got to have a plus side and negative. You've got to have a positive and a negative side and they go together. Yeah, I think that's true of all, most friendships, actually. I think that's a very yeah. So I've found thing. there are other people who I've met who are on the spectrum who I don't really connect with. Yeah, I mean, that because they're just other people, right? Like yeah. you don't connect with lots of people regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, whether they have the same colour hair as you or whether they... Oh, yeah, I'm just friends with everyone who... in the same suburb, you know. I'm friends with everyone who has the same colour hair with me yeah. and I'm friends with everyone who has brown eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, Lola, one of the things that I know we've talked about before and that is quite a common thing that young people on the spectrum um, find more complicated is this idea of gender identity and expectations of gender. And um, do you want to, I know that's something that you're quite passionate about. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what gender identity kind of means to you? Yeah. So uh, for me, I'm not sure what the percentages are, but I definitely know that people on the spectrum have a much higher percentage of like uh, being part of like the LGBTQIA plus community and um, like questioning their gender identity, like being trans. But um, for me, um, it's like something I've always, I've never really felt like, I mean, not comfortable, like I feel comfortable now, Mm. but like when I was younger, I never really felt comfortable with like who who I identified, who I thought I identified as is like a gender and I feel like to be able to have a really um supportive family to help me explore that is really really helpful and I love them so much for that they're pretty cool yeah pretty cool (laughs) and um so for me I identify as non-binary so I use they them pronouns but um for me going on like that like exploring my gender identity and doing all that, that was something that's really um, a big part of my life and something that I take pride in. Um, And I feel like for lots of autistic people, since you don't, like for me, since you already don't feel like you kind of fit in because you know you're different, um, 
it's like something else that you're like, oh, like. Another pressure, another, another set of rules. Yeah, another like, oh, because I don't feel like, I don't like society's constructs and I feel like I don't fit in. And another, like another, yeah, it's like a this or that. And for me, for like being autistic, I'm in the grey area and I feel like I'm in the grey area for everything and then the way I live. And it's just like, you know, it's just another thing of like, oh, you're either male or female. And it's like you're, you're or like the black and white, like you're everyone, you're like, you're mentally ill or like you're like, or you're like perfectly fine. It's like kind of like, what? No, that's rude. That's not true. I don't believe that. And, you know, it's, you articulate that so well because I think that it's, it's so true. And actually, I think a lot of people might not even recognise that. But the way that you've just described it is makes so much sense. And it's such a shame that it has to be something that's hard to have to manage rather than just a personal choice that, you know, shouldn't really be have much attention drawn to it. Yeah. Lola, you spoke about this grey area before, mm. you know, with how you feel emotionally, intellectually, sensory-wise, like you feel like you sit in this space um, that's a bit misunderstood. Um, how, how do you relate to being caught between, you know, different binaries or different perceptions of people? You know, it, it is, as I'm sure, it can be quite difficult and you said, you know, you feel like an outsider, but it's also this place of immense critical thinking and creativity and ability to think differently from people and therefore be able to engage in sort of really beautifully unique ways. What what are some other areas you, you know, you feel this difference, but in a way that you're really proud of? Um, so just processing your question. Yes, yeah, sorry, I ramble a lot. <laughs> Same. Um, so though I feel like who I am as a human being is like grey. Not like sad, but like in a way that I feel like most of society sees who you are is like black, black and white, like, or you're either this or you're either that, and you're not in between, because there is no in between. And I feel like for everything that is supposed to be this or that, I feel that in between. I feel like, well, why can't why can't society see that as like not everyone is this or that, not everyone's the same, everyone is different, everyone is unique, and it's beautiful and it's what makes us human and what makes us individuals. It's so true. And I think many people do value that. Many people do yeah, I see value that. that. And um I think you'd probably find a lot of people who probably feel like that, whether they articulate it the way you do and whether they um, are willing to talk about it like that. But I think it, it's the more that you can be so beautifully articulate about that, I think plenty of people could relate to to how that feels. And yeah. maybe if other people said they feel like that too, then you would feel more, everyone would be more grey, right, rather than Everyone to be, would, and more understanding Yeah, too. more understanding, that's a Is big the one. way that... It's the way that even if you feel like maybe you are this or that, maybe you feel like you fit in those two categories, seeing that other people don't and being accepting of that and being able to be like, oh, and being like comforting and being like, oh, my God, and like just understanding how those people can feel and try or like trying to understand mm. and being accepting of people. Because they kind of really take important. it personally, don't they? It's like, what, yeah. why do you care? Yeah. Right? Why, why do you yeah. care? You've it's got your problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lola, I'd love to hear, you know, ways in which you think people maybe misunderstand you and, and what, you know, people listening to the podcast or people in the neurotypical neurodiverse community could understand to be able to, to understand you better. 
So definitely for people my age, I feel like um, I'm more accepting of who I am as a person and more understanding and more able to understand if I explain it to them and more accepting. But there are people who are, like, older than me or maybe haven't really, like, grown up with, like, learning to be accepting and learning to be, like, understanding of who I am as a person or, like, what being autistic means and what having ADHD means and what it is and how to help people who experience that is definitely important. I feel like people could understand me better if they actually understood what autism really is and what it means to live with it and so with ADHD. So definitely if the media portrayed more accurate stereotypes and showed that autism is a spectrum, it's not a line. It's like a, it's like a, think of like a galaxy, all those constellations, all those stars in the sky is one of us. And that's who we are, like, um, we all experience traits, like yeah. the traits of autism and, like, what it means to have autism and we all have different experiences of living with it. And if, if that was portrayed and if that was shown, then I feel like I and people like me could be understood better. And I feel like I, since we don't have that and since the media portrays autism as, like, oh, you're one way or, like, that one kid who's always shown on TV of having autism, like, oh, like, we're all obsessed with, like, trains and planes, which I love trains, but <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> um, but if it was shown that we all have different interests and we all have different things that we love and um, different opinions and different ways of seeing the world, would definitely... I think that's one of the things that's so hard, isn't it, is that it's not simple to portray in inverted commas what living with autism is like because it's so different for everyone and so you might put one person who represents someone's experience really well but someone else might say well that doesn't experience um, represent me really well well at least the least the media could do is in movies make autistic people play autistic people Mm. not instead of having neurotypical people being like oh like this is it but it's not and definitely showing and like when people like me or like we have like meltdowns or panic attacks I know lots of time in the media is shown like you people like jump on people and like pull them down and that can kill autistic people because in that space I am so overwhelmed I've got no idea what I'm doing and to find out how to really calm people down because when I get really overwhelmed something that helps calm me down is music so like you said starts playing like the music that I like is that really helps me calm it down and understanding that that is not how you should treat autistic people and showing ways that like we are humans and showing like please care for us um is important if that makes sense so I mean as we know autism can is very very broad but there are some common themes so mm. you've mentioned one of them about having trouble reading body language yeah and getting understanding tone understanding what you know maybe going through people's minds that you have to kind of read between the lines. You've also talked about sensory overload mm. and about how that, because that's a really big thing living yeah, in the world. sensory issues. Sensory well. issues. That. So do, how, what are your sensory issues? I have <laughs> it's got a long list. Lots of autistic people have uh, like a heightened or a dulled sense, but I have a heightened sense of touch. So I there's lots of... Um, feelings and like um, that I don't like lots of textures that I don't like so I hate flour 
hate anything that feels like flour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean the powder, not yeah, like a pow- plant? Like powdery yeah. What about stuff? dry paper? Can you cope with that? Dry paper. I don't like the feeling of Both. really, tissues? you know when you get, I so thick tissues I like. When you get those really weird thin tissues that you always have like it's squeaky. hate it. Terrible. Don't like velvet or anything like velour, anything that feels like that. Yeah, don't. I get it. Like the, that kind of stuff. What about don't like, really like those fake materials that are like itchy? Or they- no, I have lots of sensory issues wearing clothes, so I feel like everything has to. I can't have any tags. I usually yep. can only wear cotton, yep. and if I am wearing wool, it can't touch me because that itches me. Totally it itchy, yeah, yeah, um, and hot. Yeah, I get very hot and very cold easily, and I can't eat peas. Yeah, hate the feeling of them. They're weird. So that's sensory beans, not beans that come in a pod. Some of them taste weird, like specific beans, mm-hmm. sugar snap. Oh, no, there's sugar-sack peas and sugar-sack beans. Um, they taste good. But peas, like the ones with, like, a frozen peas in the freezer. So those things are sensory. Do you also have, like, um, that you like to have things the same way a oh, lot? Because yes. that's another mm. one, isn't it, restricted and repetitive. So what sort Very of things, how does that impact you? Um, like, what do you need to be a certain way? It pisses people off lots of the time. So at my school there's, there's two halves of the gym and you can split it in two. I only want to play on one half of the gym mm. and it drives both teachers insane when I ask, can I play on that side? Like, I want to play for that team. So it's like, oh, you want to be with your friends? No, I have to play on that side of the gym. I, when I sit at a table, if it's a square table, I always sit on the left side facing the wall, so facing away from the things behind me. I have to sit there. Um, oh, my volume on everything has to be a multiple of five. So you want things loud? No, just, I just want <laughs> multiple of five, so and oh. five or zero. <laughs> oh. Can I, can I ask? Yeah. Just so I can like, understand, you know, when you say you have to be on that side of the gym, what does that feel like? I just, it's like the repetitiveness. So I really don't like change. And that's like an autistic thing and I'm very aware of that. And there's some things in my life that I just cannot control. And there are some things in my life that I can and control and I want to be able to control that and having that repetitiveness and having that being able to do that again makes me feel comforted and makes me feel like I'm like I know what I'm doing it's like really comforting for me so so interesting I mean I I've spent a lot of time over the past few years working with people who live with autism a lot of them non-verbal though or Mm. you know uh, have quite a very verbal (laughs) yeah it's, it's it's great to be able to hear sort of how you're verbalizing your experiences because a lot of the kids that I know can't say that so I don't actually know mm. what, what they're feeling when, when someone tries to take away your control in an example like that what what does that what does that mean to you and and, and what does that feel like mum don't laugh at me do you get angry yes yeah <laughs> because I feel like it might be a it's a safety mechanism right yeah I mean what I have what's with my child is that there are so many unknowns and all of those unknowns are really anxiety invoking. Yeah. And so the, to the extent that you so can limit anxiety. the unknowns, if you can limit that unknown yeah. about the gym, if you can limit that thing about where you sit, then you can focus on all the other things that are, uh, right? Is that, is that right? It helps, it helps you kind of. It helps reduce the amount of things that I find overwhelming yeah. and it helps me um, understand my situation better for I have, okay. I'm here, I'm doing this, I'm controlling this. All right, now I can feel good and I can have a fun time because I've limited the unknowns as much as I can. I'm in this good place, I'm feeling great and here I am. I'm ready to, like, speak to people, you know. And you can, like, 
focus on the thing you want to focus on or you can be in the moment, you can actually enjoy something rather than yeah. being kind of alert and ready. Really to, like anxious and like. And what, what do promises mean to you, Lola? What yeah. do what promises? Like from people promising to you is it You have to fulfil that. You made a promise and if you don't fulfil that, I will be pissed. I make promises and I will make sure that I will fulfil that promise as much as I can. And I want people to be honest with me and I want people to say what they mean and I say what I mean. But sometimes Dad tells me that I'm... Uh, I only have one way to describe this and it's a Taylor Swift lyric, so it's like casually cruel in the name of being honest and it's like... I say what I mean, but sometimes I don't think that what if I'm being like I'm being brutally honest, and I, sometimes I don't see that that could actually hurt people, and but I do say what I mean, and I want people to be honest with me, and I don't want people to lie to me and make a promise just for the sake of making a promise. And that that what you've just touched on is another quite commonly autistic thing is not being able to imagine what other people might be thinking. Yeah, so the idea of casual. Cruel. I mean, I think the term is, is kind of helpful because you're not trying to be cruel, but not. when neurotypical people see that, what they're doing is thinking about how the other person might have reacted to that truth. I think I'm a very empathetic person, yeah. but sometimes I find it hard to see what they're feeling. And I feel like specifically if I can, like, see that, oh, if, like, somebody is sad and I the first thing I want to do is comfort them, I hate seeing people sad, but... If you're, like, not showing any emotion and you've just got a neutral face on, it's really hard for me to see what you're thinking or, like, imagine what you're thinking. And I think that's so important. Because I can only think how I feel. Yeah. Think how I think. And I know that's different from how everyone else thinks. Yeah. I mean, everyone thinks differently, to yeah. be clear, which is very confusing. But I think what you've just touched on is really important is that there's a there's a bit of a kind of myth that autistic people are not empathetic. And I think it's the difference between... Being empathetic means you care about other people, right? I do. I care deeply about But what them. you don't, what you need to make that easier is to be able to imagine how they're feeling. And that's the bit that's hard, imagining how someone else is feeling. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really hard. Really hard. I think that's one of those really unspoken things that a lot of people can't really fathom about um, one of the challenges with autism is we spend so much of our, li- our social lives anticipating how other people might react, what they think, what their values are, and, and navigating that. It's very delicate. If you can't do that, I think it must be very isolating. Hey, um, Mum was just saying some things that some teachers have done really well. Oh, yeah. Um, some teachers are really understanding, some aren't. What Can you tell us, like, two things or three things that a really understanding teacher has done for you? Um, uh, yeah, I was having a bad day and um, one, I was having a really bad day and I was really upset and one of my teachers saw that and she was like comforting me and she was like, oh, are you okay? And then she gave me a hug and I was like, oh, thank you. And he liked that. Yeah, and I was like someone saw that I was, wasn't was having a good day and like was there to comfort me when nobody else saw that. And, and that like, seems pretty thanks. simple, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's just checking in. That was um, for you. Something else that teachers do, giving me extensions mm-hmm. because I am a, I could win the Olympics for procrastination. Yeah. But I get in it. No, I won't get in it on time. I'll try though. Yeah. Um, you want to do well, right? I because do. you're really what? capable and you want to do your best. Yeah. Okay, so an extent, giving you an extension. Yeah. What else? That sometimes I find it, well, sometimes also things take me harder to do than other people because I am perfectionist and I want to get it right. Yeah. But sometimes it just... The thought of sitting down or like doing it, sometimes it's really hard for me to be able to focus and therefore I have to do it in like bits and it, therefore it's like really hard for me to be able to do 
Yeah. And what about some things that teachers do that make it really hard, not helpful? Shouting at me. Oh. Please don't shout at me. Shouting. That makes me want to cry. It's terrible. It's terrifying. I can't stand when people shout at me. It's really overwhelming for me because it's loud noises. I don't like loud noises, even though my voice is really loud. Don't like it when people shout at me. Yeah, that's awful. It's not nice. What else? Um, uh, getting mad at me for, like, things that I can't control, mm-hmm. like things that are out of my, like... Like fidgeting control, or like something? Like fidgeting. I've... <sighs> fidgeting, not paying attention. I, I am paying attention. I'm... I might not be, like, not not giving you eye contact. It's really hard for me to give someone eye contact. And usually for me, which people don't usually understand, when I'm talking to someone, I find it easier to look at their lips because it's what they're saying and it's where your sound comes from and it's what you're saying and, like, projecting it. I hate when I get in trouble for not giving you eye contact and not fidgeting and not paying attention. I am always trying my hardest to pay attention. Yeah. And I might not be looking at the whiteboard and I might be, like, lying on my head on my desk or, like, like, Going on one leg on my chair, I, I'm allergic to having all four legs of my chair on the ground. Um, but I, I'm paying attention and I'm trying my hardest. I want you to understand that. And I do want I do want to pay attention and I want to be able to understand what you're doing. But sometimes it's just hard. Mm-hmm. Well, what else do you get in trouble for? Being late. I've had like 20 million detentions for being late. I struggle with organisation, I struggle with getting to things on time, I struggle with, like, what's it called? Executive Executive functioning. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Mum. I struggle with my executive functioning, um, being tidy. I get in trouble for being tidy all the time. Like, oh, your desk is so messy, like, you've spilled your pencil case all over the floor. Like, yeah, I'll clean it up, though. Yeah, and leave it there. Yeah. So there seems like there are some pretty straightforward things that if teachers understood would make a really big difference. Like... I might be late and you might find that annoying, but I'm trying my hardest yeah. to get there on time. Yeah. Like I'm waking up, I'm having a shower, I'm making my lunch, I'm doing everything I can and I'm trying, but sometimes it's hard. Well, you also told us before that you felt you're stressed about being late. So oh, on top of everything, yeah, I know. you're also stressed about that. That's I'm not really awful. stressed about being late to school though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. It's kind of like school. I'm just like, mm. Is there anything else that you would like people listening to know or understand or do? Um, to be more accepting and understanding of people and being like trying to be like seeing people and being like, oh, like being accepting and being like, oh, well, maybe they're actually finding that really hard and maybe it might not be hard for me but it might be hard for them and that might be like some people I know, like mum, it's they really organised and they always get to things on time. But for me, that's hard. And seeing that some things that you might find easy might be hard for someone else, which I also need to work on because I'm not very good at that. But being accepting of people and being, like, understanding of who people are and what you and doing what you can to make people feel comfortable. Which is what we're all about, Jordan, really, isn't it? I mean, isn't that why we started this whole thing in the first place is to try and build that awareness, build that understanding, let people speak their own experiences. Absolutely. And and Lola, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and to have you on the podcast. And I think your ability... Same for me. I'm glad to hear. to you. I don't know. (laughs) And I think your ability to articulate your experiences is so invaluable for people listening who 
maybe have shared experiences with you and, and can find that connection and feel supported by knowing that, you know, that gray area is a place that other people sit as well. And also for our listeners who maybe haven't, you know, thought about things that you've said or haven't thought to build that sort of empathy, really being able to open their eyes. So I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed everything you've had to say and I've learned so much and it really is a privilege to be able to have you here. And I think it's, there's a lot to, to take away for our listeners. So I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you, Lola. Maybe you'll come back sometime. Maybe. Well, hopefully. Yeah, we'd we love still, to have you back. We still have a few um, hyperfixations to hear about, so oh, we'll, yeah. need to, we'll need to make some time. Yeah, and I'm happy to hear. I'm happy to hear anybody else's. Like, I mean, even if it's not my hyperfixation, nobody understands. I just nobody understands me, and I feel like I don't care if you don't understand what I'm talking about. I just want someone who will let me rant to them. And I'm totally happy to listen to them rant about they have fixation back to me. Even I'm, if I'm sure you're going to find someone or many people who also want that. And when you guys find each other, it's going to be amazing. Will. Yeah. Hey, Lola, thank <laughs> you so much. My, But I have found many people whose interests, like online though, <laughs> whose interests overlap with mine. I know that Taylor Swift... Marvel and Harry Potter. I know all those interests. Okay, overlap. Is this a call out to the to the universe? Listen, the universe. If anyone is interested in those three or any combination thereof, I mostly talk about Spider Man, though not really the rest of Marvel. Okay, but But you're willing to listen to other people's anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, take that note. And I've memorized like every part. (laughs) Raph and I have this thing. Like Raph, oh, does the best imitation of Tobey Maguire's dance from Spider Man Three. Oh, I'd love to see that. It's so funny though. (laughs) All right, honey, thank you for coming. You're a beautiful soul. You too. And And we love you. And uh, we hope to have you back again sometime. Yes, and I hope to be back. 